Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. And today I'm joined by Kurt Widow and Katie Vinoy. And we're going to continue our conversation because I was on their podcast not too long ago talking about the face of therapy and how it is changing. So welcome, you guys. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks. It's kind of nice to be on the other side interviewing two people because (laughs) oftentimes Miranda and I get interviewed by one person and I don't know what that's like for that other person. And so now I'm going to have a little bit of that experience. Yeah, it, it's kind of fun. We've been in, interviewed together and we've interviewed, I guess maybe we haven't interviewed two people. I don't know. Okay, well, we'll have to do that. One of us will have to interview two people. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anything either. <laughs> so in October, we're going to be doing a conference together. Yay! I'm very excited about it. But I wanted to talk about kind of the driving force behind doing something like that because I've done most awesome conference and then we did the my awesome year (laughs) things like that. And there's so many, you know, new things popping up, but I want to talk about more of why, why, why this and why now what you see happening in our field as private practice owners, as mental health providers. So (laughs) let's, 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 take that big elephant (laughs) one bite at a time. So (laughs) tell me a little bit about what you think about our field currently and what's shifting and happening. So the conference that you're talking about, the Therapy Reimagined Conference, really kind of started out with some conversations that Katie and I had several years ago, sitting in LA traffic. And it was just kind of like, I'm going to go through my phone and I'm just going to call people and see who picks up. And yeah. Katie answered and I, she's I regretted don't. that day ever yeah, since. I regret it. <laughs> <laughs> but our traffic conversations were basically like, here's, here's what the field is teaching. Here's what grad schools are teaching. And then there's this whole world of other stuff that you learn as a therapist, once you graduate or once you get licensed that they never prepared you for about agency life or about developing a, a private practice or the business that goes along with it or what it means to really settle into your own skin and be you as the therapist. And a lot of those conversations were really kind of passed off early in careers by supervisors or by educators is just kind of like, oh, you'll, you'll learn about that in supervision. And the supervisor will say, no, you should learn about that in school. And nobody was actually ever like answering or following through on that conversation. And so it just kind of came to a point where Katie was like, I think we should do something together to just kind of start having the conversation more publicly, bring people in, not necessarily for us to have all of the answers, but to bring in people who have their experiences that work and to talk about being comfortable with how they've found their own success in this field. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's another piece that, that Kurt and I've talked about is that 
in the work that each of us have done, um, and as well as specifically the, the kind of the research that I was doing and the work I was doing in public mental health, I was recognizing that, at least for me, I was taught very blank slate. I was taught that, you know, I was supposed to not wear my wedding ring. I was supposed to be as, wow. you know, kind of complete blank slate as possible. And, and then I worked in South Los Angeles for many, many years. And I learned that as our, as our clientele become more diverse, as we become more diverse, the, the standards have kind of needed to change how we interact with our clients and how we interact with each other and what we bring into the room, understanding diversity and the, the conversations that, were, that are in the public discourse. I think we need to be aware and we need to have that, those conversations shift. And I think they have, and I, I feel good that they have, but I think that it's something where those of us who are out in private practice land or, or in community mental health and, and aren't necessarily still in grad schools, we don't know what those things are happening, but we, we need to make sure that we're paying attention to those things, that we're talking about those things, and that we're grounding them in legal, ethical, clinical efficacy. Because I think so often when things start getting innovative, we don't necessarily end up um, doing that as a matter of course. It's kind of like people say, well, we've never done it that way, so you shouldn't do it that way. And then people go in hiding. They don't actually really talk about and, and assess what they're doing in a, in a really comprehensive way. And, and Kurt being, you know, a very strong advocate and also very involved as an expert with law and ethics is able to walk that line, which was what made, I think, our conversation so helpful is he could look at the innovation and the creativity and also think back and, and tie it to legal and ethical. Both of us having, you know, long experience as clinicians, we're able to think about the clinical efficacy. And so the conversations were different than any conversations that I'd heard. And so that was another piece was we've heard some of these other conversations, I guess, you know, piecemeal, but we hadn't seen them really talked about in a way that was cohesive and connected and, the, and it didn't feel like at least to us that there was a you know a an in-person community around it and so we're like hey let's bring all these people together you know mm -hmm. let's really have some conversations about this stuff because I think there's there's a brain trust of people who are each you know appropriately marketing themselves and, and having their big bold messages but coming in and having the discourse I thought was really really kind of an interesting thing to think about and I think as a consultant and one of the things I noticed is that, especially in the early days when people would get consulting outside of our field, they just go to a regular mm -hmm. business consultant, there isn't that check and consideration of ethics, mm -hmm. the legal implications, and also client outcome, you know? So, I mean, that's why I'm really excited to talk about niche. Yes, in the business marketing world, niche is great. Yes. But I think it has clinical benefit. I think yes. we have to tie, we need to take from those worlds what works for the benefit of not only our business, but for the client. And, and then I think too, one of the things you brought up, Katie, that's so, whoa, that I barely can scratch the surface on is the diversity issue, mm -hmm. the, um, the lack of understanding. I mean, it's a huge gap in our training and um, there are voices that I've been listening to and just soaking in learning about just the face of therapy needs to be reflective. I believe of 
the communities that we're in and that we serve. For sure. You know, and therapy changes for cultures and for all the needs of the clients, like accessibility, all these kinds of things like that (laughs) could be be like a week long conference in and of itself. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think it would be nice, but I don't think our education is set up to fill in those gaps and we get like these basics and then we're sent out, kicked out of the nest and there's a lot more to consider and that everything is tied together. And I really love that you're wanting to tie those things together in one place where people can come in here. And, and, and I think those discussions, like your discussion on the freeway and traffic, (laughs) those kinds of discourses are where we start to push the envelope and the edges of what we've just accepted as this is the way it is, but maybe we can do better. Yeah. I think we start reimagining therapy. <laughs> wow. What and, a way slide that in there. Yeah. It was really smooth, right? <laughs> oh, and one of our, our social media hashtags is hashtag therapy movement. And speaking to what Kelly's talking about as far as how the education whether it's within the educational institutions or whether it's within supervision or training or this kind of stuff. But so much of education seems to be trying to take a wide swath and narrowing down therapists down into kind of replaceable cogs in a therapy machine that you can kind of swap out therapists and everybody's going to be the same. And really the idea behind hashtag therapy movement is that it really should be going in the other direction, that we should be taking a wider and wider swath of people into this field, whether it's diversity of people from different backgrounds or different ideas or different opinions, to better serve a wider variety of of clients and consumers of therapy. Mm -hmm. And we hear lots of Therapists talk about you know, concerns of life coaches giving away clients. Mm-hmm. And we almost need to take pages out of the Woo-hoo. life coaching business <laughs> and, and embrace it as this is a new consumer-driven field, not necessarily a medical model-driven field where it's about the technique that each therapist needs to do and replicate with you know, the appropriate checklist or the appropriate well-timed intervention, but it really is things that we've known all along about therapy that it's really about that connection that you have with the person in the room. And that's going to differ from person to person. Well, I'm really big, you know, on eradicating mental health stigma. And I want to talk a little bit about how therapy reimagined connects to that piece. Um, Because that whole idea of, um, the cog and the wheel, I, th- I think that perpetuates stigma. And, and the life coach thing, the life coach thing is happening, I think, because there is stigma mm-hmm. in the therapy world. And we've, we've created a scenario where there's limited access, lack of diversity, those kinds of things. And so life coaching has born out of that and said, no, we're going to break some of those molds. And um, what would it be to reimagine internally within our systems? And how does that impact the issue of stigma? Are, 
you know, it does that help eliminate instead of being part of the problem perpetuating it? I think what Kurt and I've talked a lot about with, with you, with uh, Dr. Ben Caldwell and with some of the other people who we've, we've really started these conversations with is that it seems like in being able to really be ourselves and to show who we are and to start the connection in the Google search, you know, to be able for people to see that we're human beings and that we're going to connect with them as human beings and that we have skills that can help them to, to create a better quality of life. It doesn't have to be that you're quote unquote crazy, but you can approach a therapist and this therapist is a person that you can connect to, uh, that you might want to sit down and have a cup of tea with, um, you know, that there's this relationship that's being developed. And this obviously goes to personal branding and, and talking about how you niche down, like what you're going to talk about in the conference. I think it can, it can improve our advertising. So therapy looks like something somebody wants versus I have to have this horrible, awful problem to, to go into therapy or, and I think we, we had an episode with Ben on this where he talked about, you know, kind of the walking down the ocean, you know, the beach with rose petals, that it's, it's some woo-woo thing or, you know, kind of gentle yoga thing that's happening for every therapist, regardless if they actually are certified in yoga therapy <laughs> or if they even live close to the beach. So I think it's, <laughs> it's this piece of really yeah. making our, our, our marketing more authentic making sure that we're connecting people and that we're the people actually can tell who we are and what we stand for. Because I think the blank slate to circle back and I probably will say it too many times, but it's something where a lot of our clients don't know what to do with that because it's such a weird relationship to, to have no sense of what your therapist is thinking. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, I think that's a piece of that is looking at how do I show up as a whole person with a personal brand that helps to, to, bring clients into relationships that they want that can be healing and not making it about mental illness, you know? Mm -hmm. Hey, it's Kelly. Are you enjoying today's episode? There is so much more to starting your private practice. That's why we created Business School for Therapists. It's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapist business school to get started. And Katie brought up my background in working with laws and ethics and being a subject matter expert for the California BBS. This is where it's not fun to be the ethics police. It's not fun <laughs> to be the one saying, this is what the law says, why you can't do that. But this is where it really is turning laws and ethics into fun. This is where it's saying, here's what you can do. Here, here's the, the fun parts of like, yeah, go and be you. Like, go and advertise that. Help clients make that informed decision of whether or not they're going to fit well with you. Mm -hmm. And that's really something that some of our conversations really resolve around is our therapist actually allowed to have fun? And we are big advocates for yes. Yes. Well, all fun all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think one of the things I appreciate about Ben Caldwell um, who will be there 
is that if you don't I, I love watch, how long this pause is taking because <laughs> well my first thought was i can't even believe i finally get to meet him in person i stand yes. in awe of that guy honestly <laughs> like he's so smart i could just sit and listen to him forever and i'm like i can't even believe i get to be on the same stage as that guy so there's part of me that feels that way but one of the things i really appreciate about him is as technology advances, as our understanding of access, diversity, and these issues advance, then we can come back to ethics and say, what needs to change? What do we need to lobby for? Yeah. Because, because I do feel that some things, law never catches up to technology. And yep. so we're a little behind in some of those aspects. So what is what can we do to um, be ethical and still like, what are our opportunities for changing some of this, these things? There are old institutions that do need to shift, but the only people that can do it are the ones that are around right now that mm -hmm. see, you know, that have some evidence-based practices that have outcomes that can show like, no, actually what we thought is now different. And so I've always appreciated his zest for being involved at that level. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's honorable and, and we need more people like that. Um, and we need to be having these conversations so that we can determine what do we need to go back and maybe relook at shifting too. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Cause I think when we, when we thought about the different things that would be important to, to really have conversations about in our hashtag therapy movement, I think one of them is really about how do we approach the profession? How do we do right by our profession, make sure that we're representing our profession well, but actually how do we become advocates and activists to have some of these changes? Because, you know, our field has, has grown and advanced. And, and I think that we need to make sure that the laws and ethics are catching up, but a lot of people don't know how to do that. And so we have a couple of different opportunities during the conference to have those, you know, having folks who are doing those things talk about how to do it. But I think it's something where even in joining the conversation, it helps because it gives feedback and it gives another perspective. It gets another voice that says, Hey, I'm doing something differently. And this is what I'm saying, or, or these are the, this is where I'm coming up against something where the laws or the ethics does, they don't seem to align with what would be healthiest or most clinically effective for the clients that I'm, that I'm serving. So Ooh, I can't me, wait that's... to attend those. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Cause there's a part of me that's like, some of this has to, it needs to change because I think it causes actual harm or mm -hmm. hindrance to the process of therapy for clients. And, and so, and these are conversations I'm having with clinicians all the time, and especially in during boot camp and things like that. So, so tell me about, okay, having done a conference before myself <laughs> and you're Therapy reimagined. How's the conference reimagined going? Like, what is your vision for it, and how it's different than your typical conference? So, one of the things that that actually is is very different was it came out of a conversation with you and Miranda. Actually, mm -hmm. you're like, I think it would be great to have everybody in the room and have these shorter TED talks. And I was like, that's an amazing idea. So, of course, Miranda said we could steal that from her, and so we did. And so we have we have these panels with a huge diversity of perspectives in these bite-sized pieces and everybody's going to be in the room. So the whole audience is going to be there having these really just bite-sized state-of-the-art conversations. And I'm, I'm super excited about that part. So sorry, I, I could tell Kurt wanted to say something too. <laughs> and 
I, I was just going to add that there's a lot of conferences that I go to that I tune in and out, you know, in these four or six hour long workshops where I'm like, oh, I'm paying attention for about 15 minutes and then I'll doodle or I'll answer emails or whatever else. But I think having kind or of find memes, find memes, memes and text Katie memes. <laughs> uh, so then I can't focus. But I think it's really engaging us in how we actually learn because we're also bringing a experiential component to what we're doing. This isn't like a overload you with information sort of idea. This is a, we hope that you're walking out of something with something that you've got a plan, you've got an idea, you've got a voice that you're inspired to continue to build on as opposed to go and take a bunch of papers and throw them in a drawer in your office and look at them when you're about to throw them out when it's summer cleaning next year. <laughs> this is really about creating movement for people. And it's not just about sit there and have information kind of just spoken at you, but about being able to do something with it. Yeah, we definitely have a conference for people with short attention spans, thanks to Kurt, because it's like, it was all short form, or experiential. And even the experiential, I think the longest is 90 minutes. So like we're, it's all very bite-sized. And I think it's something where we're going to want to continue the conversations. And that's why we're calling it a movement, not just, you know, kind of a single conference. But, um, but I'm really excited about the people who are going to be there, the different conversations and the opportunity to be active and engaged. But I do think there's going to be information overload. We have 15 CEs over two days. (laughs) Like that's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. Pack it in. We're packing it in. I was like, yeah, maybe two days was too short, but we just had so much we wanted to put in there. (laughs) I like to think of it as a, if you feel that you need inspiration, if you want to be part of innovation, if you want to be where the change is actually happening and starting, I feel like a lot of things will start from here. Mm -hmm. Um, My experience is whenever you bring people together like this, in this kind of way, Mm -hmm. um, really amazing things can happen. Like just looking back at the conferences we've done in the past and the projects and the relationships that have grown out of that, it blows my mind what people can accomplish. You just need to stop, get out of your office. Get away, yep. just do something a little different and it could shift the entire trajectory um, of not just your life and your business and what you're doing, but you can be part of something that's going to shift all of us together. Yeah. And I think what we realize is that oftentimes conferences are about clinical interventions. You know, you're learning a new clinical intervention, you're, you know, those kinds of things. But I think the 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 biggest thing that's different about this one is, and I think this is probably probably more similar to what you and, and Miranda do, but it's really finding a way to, to connect all of the pieces together, right? Because we, if we're looking at, it's 15 CEUs, but we're not talking about clinical. It all impacts the clinical, yes. but it's niche and specialization. It's social media and video marketing. It's SEO. It's growing, you know, starting a, a group practice. I mean, there's, there's these things that are about, what we do as therapists, mm-hmm. you know, mindfulness meditation. It's about how we take care of ourselves, how we take care of our businesses. But the, the whole point is what you're saying. It's how we then get inspired to have a better business that's going to 
change the face of therapy that's going to that is going to be so impactful on how therapy continues forward right and each of our businesses are part of that yes there's a old comedian from saturday night live back in the 80s jack handy he had deep thoughts with jack (laughs) handy and one of my favorite ones that he had was the face of a child says a lot especially the mouth part of the face (laughs) and I, I really hold on to that with a lot of the stuff that we do because the mouth part of the face for us is what clients are asking for, what clients are doing. This is the customer is always right sort of situation. And customers are saying, we want life coaches. We want people who are going to focus on mental wellness as opposed to mental illness. And this is about embracing listening to our customer base and not just listening to years of therapists talking to therapists talking to therapists of models that worked in a different time and place. This is listening to consumers who want value from their therapist before they make that initial phone call. And this is really about embracing how to do that to serve all of those clients. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing is when you know, like I have a client who says, I got a call and they saw my website and they're like, you, it's like, you're speaking to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm like the ability to connect. I think therapists have the potential to be the best marketers, innovators, business builders, creators, because that's what we do day in and day out with our clients. Yeah. We empathize, we innovate solutions. Like we're very flexible with whatever happens in a client's life. You know, you're on this trajectory and then boom, trauma happens or whatever. You, we know how to flex like nobody's business in terms of, you know, being creative and, and in the room. So it's like moving it from in the room to our communities and beyond that. And um, culturally, I think we are in the midst of some changes and I'm really excited to meet everyone that's going to be presenting and mm-hmm. to be a small part of that is, is fun for me and Miranda. I know that. So um, how do people find out about it? Can you give a little detail about the conference? Sure. Uh, <laughs> the, the conference, we have uh, our little, you know, kind of landing page for the conference. It's first.therapyreimaginedconference.com. And so people can find us there. I think I think we gave you guys a, a nice little code SPKR where people can get twenty dollars off. I think that speaker without any vowels, <laughs> um, all caps. Yes. And so um, so twenty dollars off the full conference. But we would love to have people interact with us on our our Facebook group, the therapy. Oh, it's the Modern Therapist Survival Guide group. And mm-hmm. so they can kind of learn more about the therapy movement. That's where we're having some of these conversations in 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 the interwebs before we go and in real life. Cause I think um, it would be great to even folks who are not able to attend. We'd love to, to have their voices join in the, the therapy. Yes. We need your voices. Like yes. we need to be having more of these conversations. And whenever I see a new presenter or, um, <laughs> come on to the conference, you know, when you guys were adding, I thought this is, this is great. The more, the merrier, the more mm-hmm. diverse, the better. We need to have that. We need fresh perspective and, 
and to keep the dialogue open. And so my hope is that if you're listening to this, whether you come to the conference or not, you start talking to each other. You start being part of that innovation and shift. You start taking a stand for doing better for our communities because the way we, we deal with the mental health of our communities is by keeping our doors open and we serve yes. people and we need to be having these combos. So thank you, Kurt and Katie for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks yeah, so much for having us. us. This was great. And I'm excited to drive past the orange curtain as we call it <laughs> in Southern California. For those of you that don't know, Orange County is called the orange curtain and go into LA <laughs> I yes. love I love LA. If you've never been to LA, it's the best. I I I like it. So. Yeah, and it's at the the DoubleTree by Hilton in West Los Angeles, so it's it's a cool little spot and yeah. uh, not too far from fun things to do. So, all right, thank you guys. <laughs> I'll put in the details for the conference, and I can't wait to see you all there. Woohoo! I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.